Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome into the Daily Draft Report. It is your daily dose of prospect information for the NFL Draft, brought to you by Campus to Canton. Uh, tonight's prospect is a really, really fun one. Uh, one of the top guys in the class, C.J. Stroud, junior quarterback from Ohio State, six foot three, two hundred and eighteen pounds. And I got a very special guest to bring on, Ian Wharton from the Pro Football Network (PFN). How you doing, Ian? Doing really well. Thanks for uh, having me today. All right, real quick, we're going to get into the bio of. C.J. Stroud, then we'll get into the meat and potatoes. He was a four-star recruit from Rancho Cucamonga, California. Uh, class of 2020, he was the 42nd-ranked player in the composite, uh, second-ranked pro quarterback. He chose to go to Ohio State, where he started. He took over the starting job in technically his redshirt freshman year when he threw for 70 or 4,435 yards, 44 touchdowns, six interceptions, and a 71 percent almost 72 percent completion rate and then his junior year a little tiny step back not too much though uh 3600 yards 41 touchdowns six interceptions so guys done everything you could in college so let's go to the nfl all right ian what skills does stroud have that you think will make him successful at the next level he's unique he's at least for like a modern day quarterback because he was more of a uh, traditional pocket passer and so he has some of that athleticism to get outside the pocket but we didn't see it all the time like and i i wonder and i i think it's somewhat stems from when you look at justin fields when he was at ohio state i think head coach ryan day he experienced fields running hurt and how that cost the team a little bit when they played clemson uh, for the national title like him having a rib injury ended up being just massive in that game you could see he was visibly affected and i think it it stands to reason especially seeing with how fields has performed in the nfl as a rusher you wonder if Ohio State kind of tries to rein these guys in a little bit until it's absolutely like go time. And we saw that against Utah. We saw it against yeah. um, Georgia. Certainly like Stroud became much more dynamic, uh, even against Notre Dame in the season opener this past year. He was much more willing to break outside the pocket and make throws on the run. Um, so I think you start with the base of like at his core week in, week out. He was a fantastic pocket passer. He has a strong arm. He has excellent accuracy to every level. He is very comfortable standing even when pressure's kind of building. I wouldn't say when it breaks through to him, but I would say as it's building at the line, he is confident he wants to make the throw. Even when he gets outside of the pocket, his priority is, is to throw the ball. He is looking downfield. He does a good job of doing that. Um, sees the field well. He wins pre-snap pretty effectively. He's There's a reason why he only had 12 interceptions throughout his career. Um, the reason why he had 85 touchdowns, like his numbers are bonkers. And some of that is obviously inflated by, you know, the, the cast that was around him and, and that system and some of the competition. But at the same time, he wasn't reckless. He wasn't someone that is just kind of getting by because everyone is so good around him. He was pulling the strings, even if sometimes he was just like a game manager at times, he was at least not ever holding the offense back. He always had really good placement. He's more of a precision guy. Like, so I kind of break into accuracy into two different buckets, right? Like you're either accurate or you're precise. And the precision is the consistency and the ability to hit guys where they need to hit and consistency and the consistency to hit them uh, in stride so that they can keep moving upfield and you don't cost the offense yards and opportunities. And I think that's a big differentiator, something I really value in quarterbacks. Um, I think that pro projects extremely well. It just depends on kind of how we can do that under pressure uh, at the next level. And, and that's with obviously with any prospect, but like Ohio State had a pretty good offensive line. Uh, they didn't have the best rushing game, but they had an effective enough rushing game. And so he had pretty good conditions at Ohio State. How does that translate when you're playing for a team, probably picking in like the top 10? 
it's a definitely an adjustment. We've seen that with, you know, quarterbacks time and time again. And so I think instantly off the bat, I think you're going to be able to see him into a pass first offense that is going to be doing short intermediate throws, take advantage of his comfort reading defenses, uh, being able to get rid of the ball quickly, putting the ball on the money, keeping the chains moving. Like he is very much, I think a high, high end level game manager. And I don't try to say that with like a negative connotation. I think that's a pretty impressive and uncommon for rookies to do now because the position has changed so much. We've seen a lot more like physical projects or creators. We right. haven't really seen as many of these, like, especially with his tools, because if he plays like he did against Georgia every Oof. game or even yeah. just like occasionally, right? Like that was Deshaun Watson in the NFL. That was different. And, you know, I've, I've talked, you know, I've, I've listened to Lance Zierlein from NFL.com. He's kind of talked about how scouts will view guys as if you've done it once, you can do it again. And then it's just like, how do you get guys to do it consistently? And so I think scouts could look at that game and they're going to look at the, the Rose Bowl against Utah the previous year and say, how do we unlock the version of that guy who's taking over the game and really grabbing the game by, you know, by the throat, as opposed to, Stroud against like Michigan both years where he's fine, but he's not owning the game. It's not right, his game. Right, right. And so I think there's getting him to that level. And that's, I think that's why he's not the hands down number one pick in this draft. Um, but the high floor is there. And so I think even if you're getting the worst case on that, where you really don't see the creative ability, you're getting a high floor guy because he takes care of the ball and he's got that accuracy and he's got, He's got the field vision. I think it's probably the best way to say it. Pre-snap, post-snap, he sees how things work. And I think he reacts pretty well to it. Right. Yeah, I cannot add anything to that at all. <laughs> that is exactly, that is like perfect. Yeah, but what's most impressive that I saw was the things that you pointed out. The His touch, his accuracy, he leads the ball. He leads his receivers. He does things like that that you'd expect from a more veteran quarterback. And I like it. You said, you know, the game manager thing is is not necessarily always a negative thing, especially not in Stroud's case, because like you said, you wanted to you want to see a little more of him taking over games. You know, that's the only thing that he that's the only thing I thought that split him and Bryce Young apart was Bryce Young would take over a game. Just absolutely I'm on my back, let's go. And yeah. I didn't see Stroud doing that enough, you know, and, and watching him do it against Georgia was super, super impressive. So that was it's almost, kinda, it's almost like a gamer trait. And that's right. what I kind of give Young. It's like I don't particularly like Young that much, but like fourth quarter and in clutch moments, he's oh, a gamer. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he wants he's the ball, make, yeah. He's making plays, and he does it consistently. And you looked at Stroud, and Stroud, first half of games, especially like earlier in his career, his first half, second half splits were a lot different. He'd come out in the second half, be much more aggressive, much more effective. Um, and so, like, you wonder, it's like, does he have the gamer trait? And I think that is massive. Like, you – it's so rare that I think you see that. I usually don't account for that in my scouting reports, but like with Stroud, yeah, it's hard to, yeah. it is something that you question because there were those moments where Ohio State was falling short a little bit or not playing up to their competition. And like he wasn't the only reason, but he was certainly the biggest one that you would see because his play would just kind of drop off even just a little bit and then he couldn't compensate it like young. So I think that gamer trait is a good way to put it. You do kind of wonder if it is offense holding him back, though, because you could say almost the same things about Fields, yeah. uh, Haskins, you know, like even the same thing. They were all really good statistical quarterbacks that would push the ball when they were asked, but they didn't seem to make plays out of structure and, and really try to do the things that we see. Like you said, most we see a lot of college quarterbacks doing that nowadays, you know. 
like even Trevor Lawrence did it in the when he made that championship run. You know, all of a sudden he he was a running quarterback. We're all like, where did this come from? You almost kind of wonder if the system was holding is holding them back a little bit, and they're afraid to go over the coach's head. You know, which I guess I don't yeah. blame them. Um, so, what do you see as any weaknesses? Things that could possibly hold them back? Yeah, than, I think it, it's that. I think it's that ability to go above and beyond, right? It's that ability to grab the game and, and to be kind of like a killer on the field. Does he have that killer instinct? Does he have does he have the consistency outside of the pocket and under pressure? And I think right. there was a stretch in the season where he wasn't doing well under pressure either. And, and every quarterback gets worse under pressure. Like that's totally normal. It's a variable thing. Some guys are good one right. year, not good the next year. It's but there's still like it's like Josh Allen, right? Like Josh Allen is statistically better under pressure like he rises to the moment he embraces it he can create and he probably does plays his best ball when he creates with stroud does he fold in the pocket or does he just try to take five yards there were times even probably against you know michigan or georgia where if he just would have taken five yards as runner that game might go the other way (laughs) so like those little things really do matter because they keep the offense on track if he's not keeping the offense on track with his arm I mean, that is totally anti what the NFL is about right now. It's about moving the change chains and then finding a quarterback who can make a difference in the red zone. And that's why we're seeing like a lot of offenses starting to crumble a little bit in the red zone. So Stroud, he kind of falls into what the defense wants to face because at his surface level, he's going to give you um, really good play between the twenties. And then if you pressure him in the red zone, not that he's not good in the red zone, but if you pressure him there, is he going to fall apart? Kind of like a Kirk Cousins. And so is he going to have that higher end ability to overcome and deal with that and unlock that new level to him consistently? Because if he doesn't, then you're probably drafting someone that ends up as like the 10th to 15th best quarterback any given game or season. And we've seen the NFL transition to like, I think there's eight or nine quarterbacks maybe who make an impact. Like everyone else doesn't really matter. Um, you have to be able to create plays at this point. The position's changed over the last five years. Uh, and if you're not creating those plays outside of structure, as well as being decent to very good in structure, you're just probably not going to be enough to push your team to a title. Unless if you have just an obnoxious team around you and get like some lucky breaks along the way. It's, it's an unsustainable model versus like what we should be aiming for. Right. Those are also the same concerns I noticed too, you know, the consistency under pressure, you know, sometimes he would not set his feet right, you know, as he would shift, he would kind of like lope around the pocket kind of a little bit. And it was kind of hard to see, like, like he said, if he would have just took off running, he would have been better. And that ends up making bad throws or just throws that were off. They were, yeah. they were not, not usually intercepted, you know, so that's one good thing, but they weren't perfect either. And you know, if he would have just took the the underneath one or ran himself for a couple yards, it would have been a lot better. And, you know, the things we talked about, the gamer too, you know, those are things that I wanted to see a little bit and obviously things that we can get. So you just want to see if he gets that. Oh, and, and also a little bit late on some of his decisions, which has to do with the pocket thing. So, yeah, kind of all together. Those are all very, very, very fixable, though. Nothing alarming about him. I, if I had a team, I would not be at all hesitant to take him in the top two or three. So. Where does he stand in your rankings right now? Is he your, your quarterback one, quarterback two? So he's my QB two. Um, I'd have him behind um, Anthony Richardson and Ooh, above. Spicy. Um, yeah, I'd have him above Bryce Young and I'd have him above, obviously, Will Levis. And so um, it depends on what your franchise needs a little bit. It depends on what the offense is. So he's going to be someone I would play from day one. I don't, I don't worry about having a veteran in place. 
Um, right. I feel comfortable throwing him out there right away. Very different conversation than Richardson, even though I think Richardson is fantastic. He obviously could probably use a year, and you probably don't really play him until the last couple games of the year if your team stinks. Um, you want him to sit. You want to work with him mechanically, whereas Stroud, he's ready to go mechanically. For the most part, he just needs reps. He needs reps and to learn, and best way for him to learn is on the field, whereas Richardson, I think it's a little bit different story. He needs to learn yeah, a little bit more. Yeah, he needs some time. Yeah. Just doesn't have the experience. I mean, if right, you've got exactly. two, three years of Richardson, yeah. it might be different. And it's a bigger risk, right? Like the Houston oh, Texans absolutely. are a good yeah. example of this. If I'm the Texans, I'm probably not taking Richardson because it's it's a franchise that's not extremely well run. It's not one with a lot of uh, continuity. You don't have a proven coaching staff right now. Let's see who you know D'Amico Ryan's hires, but I'm assuming it's gonna be like a first time head coach or first time offensive coordinator. You don't generally want to pair those guys with like a super young quarterback. Uh, you'd feel a little bit better with someone maybe like Frank Reich. Maybe depending right. on who the Colts end up hiring, if they get a veteran OC or head coach, like you might feel a little bit better. But with the with a Stroud, I feel a little bit better. Like you can put him with a little bit of a younger staff, and he's going to give you competent play, even if the surrounding pieces around him aren't good enough. He won't be a disaster. Like I just don't see a situation where he busts. Mm-hmm. And so him and Richardson being those rankings, like I add that with the caveat of like, and I will also say if Stroud is that creator, he's probably easily outperforming that so i do think he has that ability to yeah. be like a watson type um so i do think that he is certainly um i i kind of view him pretty similarly i think to watson um as a prospect as well because i looked at watson and said the same thing i don't know if he's like a super creative guy and because everything he was doing and some of that was the clemson offense it was a bunch of nine routes it's a bunch of comeback routes not a lot of room for him to improvise he did it a couple times he did great when he did it um, and I underestimated him because of it. And so he goes to the NFL and it's like, oh, wow, he's just like an otherworldly good creator. Maybe Stroud will be that guy as he kind of comes into his own as, a, as an individual. Um, but he so that that is certainly worth taking, I think, in the top couple picks. Right. And then all the mock draft databases, every, everybody that's done a mock draft in the last month has all had him going in the top 10 possible landing spots, you know, that are realistic Colts, Texans, Falcons, Raiders, Panthers. Um, which one of those are, which one of those do you think is his best fit or you'd like to see him land? I think Carolina is probably the easiest because right now we, we know their coach. Um, they have a decent offensive line. It can get a little bit better, but like they've invested into it. It should keep getting better. Um, they have, obviously they got DJ Moore. They could yeah. keep Deontay Foreman if they want him. Uh, I like some of their other young receivers like Terrace Marshall. I think he could be decent. Yeah. Um, so, and defensively, I mean, I love the, the, the defensive coordinator hire that they made too. So they're going to have an aggressive defense. Um, that could put him in a situation very quickly to, to kind of shore up some of those easy things, but then also be in a position to get meaningful reps early. So I think Carolina would be ideal with probably Indianapolis second pending whoever they hire because they already have an offensive line that it needs to get back to where it was. But the talent's there. They have Jonathan Taylor, obviously, Michael Pittman. And they have a GM who's kind of shown that, you know, I think Chris Ballard is, you know, certainly not, you know, without fault. But for the most part, he's done better than not finding weapons and talent when he's needed to. So I do think those teams offer a little bit more structure. If I'm Houston and he doesn't go one, I'm probably taking him. And I think that's a fine fit. It's a good fit for the franchise. I think D'Amico Ryan should be, uh, you know, hopefully be a really, really good coach. I'm encouraged by that. But, you know, to hit the ground running in Houston is going to be tough. Who knows if Brandon Cooks is going to be there? Who knows right. who his OC is going to be? Damian Pierce, love him. I don't know if the new regime is going to love him. So a lot of question marks just in general in Houston. 
Um, but I wouldn't be surprised. I, th- I don't think Carolina's going to get a shot at him, but I would really love that fit. Yeah, not unless they trade up. I don't think you're right. Um, Houston, I guess, like like you said, it, it's enticing because they do have draft capital to add some pieces around him, and they're giving him a blank slate, I guess. You know, so that's. But I, I do like Carolina more and Indianapolis more. Uh, definitely not the Raiders. I don't know. Just I don't know. I just, just, I could see the Raiders being good. I mean, because they have yeah. the receiving talent and he could yeah. step in right away. I just don't see them going for a rookie. I don't think right. you trade Carr. You know, I think Rodgers might, you know, is kind of realistic there. I don't know. Raiders are really tough to get a hold on, though. I'd, Stroud makes the most sense, I think, of the rookies for them because they need someone to start right now. Unless if they right. totally tear it down, then they kind of need a play now guy, and he's probably the best guy to do that. So, but, you know, Raiders wise, they, Based on their franchise, they'll probably go with Levis. And Levis, that's probably the best landing spot for Levis, in my opinion. Like, you want to work with Josh McDaniels because he's going he's gonna to continue the traditional offensive philosophies and also build around, like, a short game. But, like, ideally that's Stroud because Stroud's so much more accurate and he's so much better with the ball. So, like, there's just a big gap between those two players' skill set and, like, their, their level of refinement right now. So I could argue Stroud to go there because I think he would – take pretty quickly to a good offensive scheme, but they also don't have a great offensive line. They don't have a good defense, really a brutal division. So, you know, Josh McDaniels might not be there more than this year too. So like it, that could very quickly turn, you know, upside down. Right. And do you have a player count for Stroud? I'd say somewhere between, he reminded me a lot of Jared Goff in college where he had a couple of plays here and there of creativity. And those moments were really special. When Goff would create outside the pocket of Cal, he didn't have the, the athleticism that Stroud has. But when he, he wasn't, I mean, it's not like Stroud's a great athlete either. He's a decent athlete. He can get outside the pocket and just do a little bit. But Goff was like super accurate. He was pinpoint. He just wasn't great under pressure. And a lot of that lines up with Stroud. Now, I think Stroud could go a little bit high. I was very high on Goff, and, and Goff ended up crush, cr- you know, crumbling a little bit under pressure as he got to the NFL. And didn't quite have like a super strong arm either. He's got a good deep ball, but it's not because of his arm strength. And so I think somewhere between golf on like the most likely plane. And then I would say probably Deshaun Watson on maybe the high end, but I would say he didn't, he didn't really show the gamer trait like Watson consistently showed. So there's somewhere in that range. yeah. Yeah. Like I wouldn't be shocked if he was similar to Watson, but I also want to hedge that by saying Watson statistically is like one of the best quarterbacks, you know, efficiency wise of all time. So, you know, we'll see if that continues in Cleveland, but like, that's a very lofty comparison that I think just, it's more about play style than probably like projection. Right. So Stroud just has to avoid the massage parlors. Okay. We got it. Um, well, yeah, maybe he shouldn't go to Houston. Yeah. That, that might be the answer. Yeah, <laughs> maybe Houston's no not kidding. the best place for him. <laughs> All right, Ian. Thank you, man. It was very, very good to talk to you, man. You really know your stuff and it was a really good breakdown. Tell everybody where they can find you on Twitter and what you're working on, man. Yeah, definitely. My pleasure. Um, at NFL film study on Twitter, finishing up a Bryce Young thread right now. I'll do Will Levis after that. Um, probably try to do Hennon Hooker after that. And then um, just constantly, you know, always got articles coming out every day. So some of it's, Super inter- interesting stuff. Just did like five best teams to never win a Super Bowl. So that was kind of fun. And then, you know, is Travis Kelsey the best tight end ever? So just kind of looking at like sides of like debates, stuff like that, just kind of breaking it down, trying to be pretty reasonable. I'm not usually someone who's like, you know, this is my firm, firm stamp. Like there's no argument here. Not at all. I try to look at things from, from both ways of, 
uh, of discussion and, and I was trying to keep an open mind. It's like, you know, probably like Will Levis is probably a good example of that. It's like, yeah, I don't really care for him, but I see a, I see a position where he could succeed. So I try to keep that interaction style um, with folks on, on Twitter too. Yep. That's definitely the way to go. Um, thank you very much. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, FF People's Champ, this podcast, Daily Draft RPRT. Thank you all very much, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Yeah.